Hi everyone, my name is Miles Surrett and I serve as the Assistant Director for Leadership in the Center for Student Engagement at George Washington University. I'm also happy to be your host for the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. My guests today are the co-chairs of the NASPA Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community, Kim Kushner and Jimmy Brown. Kim currently serves as the coordinator for events and new student programs at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. She previously served in residence life and student development and leadership in the University of Colorado Boulder. Kim completed her undergraduate work at the U the Ohio State University and her graduate de degree at Indiana University Bloomington. And Jimmy Brown currently works as the Associate Director for Student Leadership and Development at the University of Chicago. Previously, Jimmy held multiple roles in the leadership space at the University of Michigan. Jimmy completed his undergraduate degree at the University of Maryland College Park and his graduate work at the University of Michigan. Welcome, Kim and Jimmy. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, gosh. Well, happy, uh, you know, uh, the, the SLPKC has been sponsoring this podcast since the very beginning, so happy to have you all on. Um, so we'll start with a regular segment called Rapid Fire, so I'm going to ask some, some uh, questions with the distinctly non-life or death results. Are you all ready for, are you ready for your Rapid Fire questions? Yeah. Bring it on, Heck yeah. Okay, great. Okay, Kim, so let's start with you. So, Kim, something I've thought about a lot is the impossibility of a portmanteau of the names Kim and Jimmy. For instance, if I wanted to quickly add some fun to a fairly transactional email and imagine y'all are a dashing team, I'd love to put your names together in a goofy way. Not that I've ever considered such a thing in a regular correspondence. <laughs> However, such a gag is not possible with your names. For instance, if I wanted to flip those, I would end up with Jim or Kimmy, which are, you know, it's just really not going to work. That's not a derivative. So. My question for you, Kim, is did this portmanteau elusiveness inspire the decision for you all to run for the co-chair positions of the KC together? So I'm not going to lie. I definitely, while you were talking, needed to quickly look up that word to, I guess my vocabulary <laughs> is maybe not strong enough. Um, so now that I know, I have a new word for my, uh, my everyday usage. Um, oh, goodness. So I love working with Jimmy. Um, we had met at NASPA previously and realized that the co-chair, the chair position for the SLPKC, given that it's one of the largest knowledge communities in NASPA, can't really be a one-person job. So um, together, we've really tried to create a really collaborative relationship. We meet weekly, lots of emails back and forth, and just have a really great relationship overall. The Kim Jim team, we've got a lot going on with our rhyming machine there, and um, we are excited to continue our work and bring on our new uh, co-chairs elect, so there's be kind of four of us into the next uh, upcoming year. Okay, great. Well, we are all uh, really thankful for thankful for the outcome of the of that collaboration, despite the uh, lack of portmanteau, which is a just a personal bit of sadness every time I try to write an email. Uh, <laughs> so, Jimmy, uh, another really hard hitting important question: Do you ever get tired of the length of our knowledge community's name and acronym? Ha! I, I it, yes, it is. Uh, it's quite a lot of words to type out every time we're in an email. Um, and, and something about SLPKC just does not roll off your tongue. Um, but, however, uh, sadly, what I enjoy about it is, as a good student affairs professional, I love an acronym, and I find the ones that are the most obscure to be the most enjoyable. So I would say <laughs> SLPKC, I, I've tried to add some words in there to think about what, what kind of logical other acronyms could fit in that place, and nothing really seems to fit. And so for that reason, we're going to stick with it. <laughs> okay, great. I may have uh, 
may have revealed my bias in the writing of that question as someone who uh, as someone who is terrified of messing up that acronym every time I do that podcast, every time I do this podcast. Uh, all right, uh, Kim, let's keep going with uh, let's keep going with the tough questions. Who is your favorite person in the Kardashian vortex and why? <laughs> And now something completely different. Love it. Um, that is not related to SLPKC, although I'm sure I could figure out some sort of, uh, you know, Kardashians and leadership and, you know, what all that means. Um, but, yeah, uh, so fun fact about me is that I'm slightly more up-to-date on the Kardashians than I regularly like to um, vocalize. <laughs> but I do follow them on like everything. And I think I started my love of them when I lived in Boulder, Colorado. And when I would go to the gym, the only things that'd be on TV um, were news shows and E. So conveniently on E, the Kardashians were pretty much playing 24 seven because they are kind of the queens of the E entertainment network. Um, mm-hmm. But I do really love watching them. And uh, I'm going to say probably Courtney is my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. She's around my age. She's pretty awesome in terms of um, just the way she displays herself, and uh, I love her confidence. And they, I really love the family relationship that they have. You know, some may disagree with me, but I think that they truly do love each other. And I've never had sisters, so it's really fun to watch their, uh, their trials and tribulations unfold. Mm. So uh, that's a very responsible choice of you to go with Courtney, I think. Uh, I, uh, for a retreat this year for, uh, for the Center for Student Engagement here at GW, may or may not have put together a BuzzFeed quiz that uh, would allow you to figure out what a, what a good professional development engagement opportunity is for you. So things like the NASPS LPKC or, you know, other different engagement com- opportunities via ACPA or AFA or whoever, and uh, your favorite Kardashian was a really essential question in figuring out. <laughs> what your professional engagement opportunity should be. So. I mean, come on, there's a lot of them, and they all have different personalities and quirks, and they're, it's probably some sort of untapped leadership, like NASPA potential conference topic that we should really be thinking about for next year. So okay. you and I may have just put together a program uh, proposal. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Let's talk offline about that, and everybody <laughs> get ready for next year when uh, Kim and I uh, – have ourselves as guests on the podcast to talk about our sponsored program. So, <laughs> um, okay, Jimmy, uh, I know that I know that you love food. So, what is the best meal in the city of Chicago? Oh, Miles, that's a tough one. I mean, it's not. I know it's not as uh, groundbreaking as my favorite Kardashian, but uh, mm. so as you may know, we Chicagoans we are very dedicated to our foods and committed to our foods, and so I feel like. I would be out of place if I didn't start by saying that the best food in Chicago is Lou Malnati's Chicago Classic Deep Dish. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to be a little sacrilege and say that I actually do not like deep dish pizza. Oh, <laughs> no. I find it way too filling, and uh, it's, it's, I think it's overrated, totally overrated, much like Meryl Streep. And uh, so I'm going to say that uh, my, the favorite meal here in Chicago, the best meal, if you get a chance, Ocheval is a diner-style restaurant here in the city, and they do this homemade fried bologna sandwich that mm-hmm. it is just like a throwback to my childhood days, and it's covered in like oozy, melty cheese, and it's just phenomenal. That sounds amazing. I want to eat that right now. That's 
does sound very good. I'm just worried about I'm just worried about your well-being in the city of Chicago after after that take. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's I'm, I'm worried about opening up my door. <laughs> well, in a very casual throwing under the bus of Meryl Streep, there you really buried that. Uh, right. All right. All right, Kim. So. I understand that when you were a child, you were the subject of some fine art featuring burning tires. So what do you think that depiction says about you as a child? So a little context, because again, so a little out there in terms of what that question is. Um, my, cousin <laughs> Arnold, my cousin Arnold Meshes, um, he is a, an artist. Look him up. He's great. Um, and so when I was younger, he'd come and visit pretty frequently. He lived in New York City, and we lived in Buffalo, New York. And um, he took a picture of me from when I was a uncoordinated, slightly um, awkward child dancing to, I think, some sort of Dick Tracy Madonna song when I was tap dancing and I was wearing a bright yellow outfit with a uh, white top hat. And so he used that picture and kind of like abstractly put me into one of his paintings, which I just found out, I was talking to Jimmy about this, is called Jetstar. So um, if you ever want to look at me, first grade picture, dancing on top of some tires, um, I, it's a kind of awkward, awesome painting. And I always use it as one of my like, two truths and a lie icebreakers with my students because it's so random. But yeah, uh, as you, me as a child, awkward dancer, definitely not dancing still um, in the same way I was when I was that age. Okay, great. All right, Jimmy, last question. If one were to theoretically go on Wheel of Fortune, not that anyone in this conversation has, but if one were to go on Wheel of Fortune, uh, what would be some tips that you would provide for success? <laughs> purely hypothetical, purely hypothetical. Uh, purely. Mm -hmm. Much to the thanks of YouTube not coming of age before uh, you know mainstream television game shows. But a uh, couple tips. One, don't, don't be afraid of vows. Buy the vowels. They're very important. People tend to forget those on the game show. Uh, keep spinning until you know it. Nothing is more embarrassing than, uh, you know, trying to answer a puzzle but saying that instead of then, right? Uh, and, and if all else fails, just guess gopher. That, it, it, it seems to work. Okay. All right. Those are some, those are some good tips. So if, if people did not read through the implication of that question, Jimmy was on College Wheel of Fortune. I haven't been able to track down the clip online. I understand that it exists in some sort of deep way. So uh, if anyone's listening to this and can track down Jimmy Brown on College Wheel of Fortune, please share that with me via the Internet. That would be much appreciated. All right. So our next segment is called Higher Ed, Two Truths and a Lie. So I'm going to provide two true stories from higher ed current events and one lie. And Kim and Jimmy are going to have to parse out the lie. So the theme this time is emerging technologies. Kim and Jimmy, are you ready for your options? I'm ready. Take some notes. I'm all set. Okay, here we go. All right, the first option is graduate students at Caltech recently announced the development of a firefighting robot. The device is composed of a self-driven fire truck and a fleet of 12 robotic firefighters. It has been tested at an on-campus facility and is rated to be 98% as effective as human firefighters. So that's your first option, firefighting robot. Your second option is that the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay announced emissions decisions this year via Snapchat. The university cited speed and a message open confirmation as reasons for the change. So Snapchat and the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay is your second option. 
And then your third option is that the Royal Bank of Scotland is piloting a, a potentially groundbreaking technology in the career counseling field. The bank recently started using a brainwave sensing headset developed by the tech firm NeuroSky at career fairs to gauge which jobs are piquing students' interest. So your three options are firefighting robot, University of Wisconsin Green Bay Snapchat, and mission decision, and uh, brainwave sensing technology for career uh, counseling. Oh man, that's hard. <laughs> I can I can just see those students walking around the career fair with the the brain attachment pieces on them. But, you know, no added stress there. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna lie. I the fact that Snapchat is starting its IPO today, I I love this idea about giving out admissions decisions over Snapchat. Although. That poor student who is just clicking through their story and misses whether or not they got accepted or denied. I don't know how you go back once that message gets uh, removed from the system. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Firefighting robots seems to be something that I think is true, Kim. I, that feels like something that I would expect Caltech students to be able to manage. Yeah, so... Working in admissions right currently, because um, my job, even though I work with orientation, is in admissions, the Snapchat thing seems a little strange and also some, like, just, you know, it's like a legal document sometimes when you need to send out those admissions uh, things. So it seems weird, but, like, I feel like that actually might be true. Um, firefighting robot? Uh, I don't know. Man, it's hard. They all seem like they are just strange enough to totally be accurate. Um, but yeah, I could go with you and firefighting robot is being true, if you believe that. Oh, I don't know. Now, now you've got me, you've got, I know. You've got me doubting. You've got me doubt. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time believing this brainwave scanner in Scotland. That, that's where and my mind saying uh, students just aren't, I, I just don't think they're going to be wearing these things as they walk around a career fair. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Scottish are just that better at well ahead of us, though, I guess, in terms of, first of all, they're, they're maybe on par with some trends, and maybe that's the new headwear for that. Um, I don't know. I could see it, though, being really helpful. Um, and also kind of terrifying. I don't know if I want people to be able to like read my brain waves while I'm anxious about careers. Um, Jimmy, you know I trust you as our, our my fear, our fearless leader, so I will be indecisive on this one because I'm really not sure. Miles, you're really good. Famous last words. Famous last words. Um, I, I mean, I I lean towards Scottish brain waves. All right. I'll I, I lean toward potentially the firefighting robot or the Scottish brainwaves. I do think the Snapchat thing is true. I feel like even though I don't necessarily agree with it, although I'd love the Kardashians on Snapchat, I don't follow it for, like, official university communications. Um, but I would either say firefighting robot or Scotland brainwave. What's, what's scary about this whole thing, Kim, is that you and I are perfectly willing to accept the fact that some university is giving out admissions decisions on Snapchat. I don't know what that says about the field right now, but I'm um, just going to highlight that one. My vote's Scottish brainwaves. All right, All right. I'll second that with you. All right, to quote, uh, to quote my close friend Regis Philbin, final answer. Final answer. Yeah, final answer. 
All right, so uh, you are uh, correct that the Snapchat decisions were announced by the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. So you uh, so you got that one right. That is correct. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, unfortunately the uh, brainwave technology is a real thing. I, well, I don't know oh, if wow. that's unfortunate or not in the scheme of the world, but for this game, that is a real thing. Uh, the one that I made up now, whether they, you know, whether students at some point at Caltech have put together firefighting robots, I don't know. I don't believe that they have put together 12 robotic firefighters, though. Um, so that one was false, and it was inspired by one of my student organizations, which is currently building a firefighting robot for a competition. So, uh, Kim, I let you down. I let you down, Kim. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I, I, uh, I'm kind of indecisive sometimes with these games, and I like to learn. So I. I, I, now I just want to read up on, especially the Wisconsin thing. I'm really intrigued by that. Just again, working in admissions, I see some pluses and minuses to that. So that's awesome. And yeah. uh, it's neat that your students are working on robot stuff, Miles. I'm intrigued to see what they can come up with with that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've been uh, advising the GW Robotics Club for a couple of years now. They're a great group, very organized. Uh, they're. I don't understand anything that they're doing, but they're very organized. So, <laughs> all right, so let's pivot to our next segment, which is called, uh, it's designed to help listeners understand Jimmy and Kim as people and professionals, so it's called Getting to Know Jimmy and Kim. Jimmy, let's start with you. What is the best book about leadership? Oh, good question. So, uh, if you had asked me maybe a week ago what that answer would be, I would say, uh, I've always found Leadership for a Better World to be a great kind of like entry-level conversation about leadership, and we use it uh, for a lot of conversations with our students about how to engage in this work and, and think about their own leadership potential. Um, however, about a week ago, week and a half ago, I got uh, Professor John Dugan's newest book, Leadership Theory, uh, and I am absolutely loving it. So even though I have not yet completed the entire book, um, I'm going to say best leadership book is uh, John Dugan's newest Leadership Theory. Great. How about, uh, so Kim, how about you? What is your favorite book about leadership? You know, I second Jimmy on Leadership for a Better World. Um, I remember reading this book in undergraduate and then reading an updated version of it in graduate school and um, just thinking a lot about uh, some of the uh, student quotes in it and how my students react to um, some of the themes and topics in it. Um, but most recently, this isn't actually, I guess, an official, official leadership book, but I was talking to Jimmy about this, and I really do think it's applicable to me personally as a leader, is I really love Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. Um, I think with vulnerability and authenticity as a leader and just being compassionate and learning about yourself and how to just be yourself as a leader um, is really important in a lot of the skill sets she talks about in more of like the counseling set, sense of the way and also in terms of leadership in business, leadership as just what it means to be a partner in a marriage or committed relationship. I just love what she represents and I feel like some of the quotes from there are just wonderful quotes that I like to use with my students and thinking about what it means to just be themselves and be um, vulnerable and open to new experiences. Hmm. Have you seen that, uh, that animated uh, that animated uh, video where Brene Brown's talking about empathy and it involves uh, like animals falling into like a pit in the ground? No, but I think that would make me kind of sad. Um, no, no, it's, <laughs> I'll have it's, to look into that. 
It's not sad at all, and the animals are very adorable. I would really, uh, I would really recommend it. Highly recommend it, Kim. She has several videos out, and they're all wonderful. We use them in our programs all the time. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Are there, well, are there more of those animated videos in the world, Jimmy? There are. There are. Oh, I really just love the. I, I just really love all of the animated animals, so I'll have to look that up. Um, awesome. Okay. Thanks for okay. sharing. All right, Jimmy, so you've devoted most of your professional life to leadership programs. Why did you start down this path, and what makes you stay in leadership work? Oh, well, I, I feel like I had a, I don't, know, I don't want to say traditional uh, trajectory into student affairs. I was a science undergrad major, um, but found that I was dedicating most of my time to my co-curricular experiences. And I think I just happened to be in the right place at the right time at the University of Maryland during my undergrad years, um, where I got to interact with such wonderful leadership educators like Craig Slack, Susan Comavez, Mary Lou McEwen, John Dugan, um, Julio, when all graduate students are working at Maryland at the time where I was there. And so these were the individuals who had a major impact in kind of my development as an individual. And then as I started thinking about professional life, they, you know, began whispering in my ear that, did you know that student affairs leadership work could actually be a career? Uh, and so my first job out of undergrad was working in a kind of field, environmental field camp in Arizona. So combining my science background with some of my potential interests in student affairs leadership work. Uh, and from there, it's just I fell in love and, and just decided that that's where I was going to spend my, spend my professional life. Um, what makes me stay? I, I you know, I, I know this is probably one of the most cliche answers that student affairs people give, but it, it, it is the students. I think the opportunity to engage in critical conversations with students around um, what does leadership mean to them, uh, how do they develop their own personal leadership style, and what kind of difference do they want to make in the world around them um, is just crucial, uh, particularly in today's, in today's society. And so the fact that I get to engage in that conversation daily uh, with, with the students on campus here, just keeps me motivated to wake up and, and come to campus. Okay, great. So, Kim, what pulled you into student affairs? I think similarly to Jimmy, um, you know, I had mentors that I really looked up to as an undergraduate student at Ohio State. I remember I got quickly involved in residence life there. Um, I had a really wonderful hall director my first year there, Bernie Savarese, who I still maintain contact with and other mentors um, like Kay Robinson who works now in Oklahoma and uh, just others who I really, really appreciate and who just told me, you know, this typical thing where it says like, have you ever thought about this field? I was an education major. I was going to do English secondary ed. Um, I like writing. I like reading. I liked being current on what was going on in colleges and universities and just talking with my mentors at that time, they were like, you should look into this field. And I loved learning from them and being involved and, you know, being blessed with a lot of opportunities for co-curricular involvement through Dance Marathon and through uh, Hall Councils and being an RA and just doing a lot of diversity work. And so I wanted to give back to a field that gave me so much. Um, and I feel like student affairs, I also was a camp counselor for so, so many years uh, with YMCA mm. camps growing up. And I was always a values-based, um, or the YMCA was always really big on values um, and values-based experiential education. 
And so now doing like leadership work and um, doing work with students, my orientation leaders, um, some of my residence hall association folks that I used to advise, um, values are really big for me. And you know, universities are based on mission statements, values, goals, et cetera, and just the love of learning and trying to be have learning be universally accessible for all people. And I think that that resonates with me just back into my camp counselor days of being loud and proud and screaming out values and giving out beats and now being able to really capture experientially um, what students are capable of and helping them meet their goals. All right. Excellent. So we are going to transition into our last segment, which is called <clears throat> Six Big Leadership Questions. So for our first very big leadership question, uh, our primary purpose in this conversation is to provide a preview for the SLPKC's content at the upcoming NASP Annual Conference. Not that learning uh, more about Jimmy's Wheel of Fortune experience and Kim's love of all things Team Dash wasn't, wasn't a good time. <laughs> So, uh, Kim, can you start us off by giving a rundown of all the places that KC will be active at NASP Annual? Yeah, you know, we are so excited. I can't believe it's just it's coming up soon. And Jimmy and I have been working for weeks with all of the folks in our um, leadership team. So first, shout out to our leadership team. Really, they are um, the individuals who have been just rocking it, and we really appreciate their work. Um, so on Sunday, we're doing some work just within our team, some uh, team building and an official kind of closed door meeting with just the leadership team members. But we'll start on Monday um, during NASA with, uh, I'll talk about this panel a little bit further, um, a little bit later, but what's called the Inter Association Leadership Education Collaborative, or ILEC. We're going to have a discussion about that um, on Monday in the afternoon there. And you can refer to... Um, the NASPA schedule for a little more information just in case times or dates change. Uh, and then Monday evening, we will be at the Grad Prep and Communities Fair. We always love that opportunity to be able to outreach to uh, whether they are you know, members who have been part of the SLPKC for many, many years or graduate students who are interested in student leadership and just kind of want to get started with us. Um, we'll have some fun giveaways. Uh, we'll be networking with some of the other KCs there. Um, and then on Tuesday, we will also be um, doing our, let me try to remember what the name of the thing is, um, our reception, uh, which is called just the Student Leadership Programs Knowledge Community um, Open Meeting and Awards Reception. So we are excited. We'll have cookies and some other uh, treats for that evening um, where we will be recognizing some of our annual awards recipients. Um, and we will also be giving out some free things and allowing further networking amongst um, those interested in student leadership programs. Okay, excellent. So, Jimmy, I know the, uh, the KC is excited uh, about its sponsored programs at the conference. Can you provide a preview of what content we can expect there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just want to echo Kim. I think the work of our leadership team has really been crucial to putting together this robust uh, schedule that we have here in just a week and, week and some days. Um, so we're very excited. We're able to sponsor three programs at, the, at this year's conference. Um, so we've got one session on Monday that we're sponsoring and two on Tuesday. Uh, and they cover kind of a leadership through multiple different lenses. So the Monday session is Monday morning, bright and early, 8.30 a.m., um, which is a, kind of a presentation on a research study done particularly with white students and how they experience race and privilege when engaging in co-curricular service learning programs. 
Um, it's called a critical, na uh, critical narrative analysis. Uh, on Tuesday, we have two sessions, one in, another one at 8.30. We love our early morning, early morning sessions um, called Critical Perspectives on Gender and Student Leadership. And this is uh, kind of a preview session which talks about the, one of the new forthcoming issues of the New Directions in Student Leadership, a series that if you have not checked out, I highly recommend. Um, but this looks at kind of connections between gender influences and student leadership. And then later on Tuesday morning, uh, one called Creative Leadership, which looks at kind of uh, using the social change model as a lens, how do the arts influence uh, student development and engagement around leadership issues. So I strongly encourage any of the listeners to attend either of those sessions or all three of them. Our program guide, which kind of has connections to, or links to dates and times specific, uh, can be found on our website. So if you go to the NASA website and type in SLPSCIS, which I, I think is how you pronounce our acronym is one word, uh, but <laughs> S-L-P-K-C, you, uh, you can find our program guide, which has all the updated information, rooms, and dates um, for those three sessions. Okay, great. All right, Kim, so you, uh, so you referenced this group earlier. So I know you've been working hard with the Inter-Association Leadership Educators Collaborative over the past couple of years. So what can we expect to see from that effort in the, in the panel there at NASPA Annual? Yeah, thank you for asking. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I was going to talk a little bit more about this kind of separately. So a little bit about the ILEC, first of all, or ILIC, I guess, as some folks call it. Um, we wanted to, you know, this started probably when I first got kind of involved in the SLPKC a few years ago. Um, we wanted to collaborate with other associations. We found that sometimes associations are a little siloed in the work they're doing for various reasons, yet members are often members of multiple associations. And how do we, with sometimes limited resources and budgets and with so much to share, how do we, how do we spread the love? How do we allow for the growth of the leadership education field and the growth personally and professionally of our various members. So essentially these organizations and associations um, came together um, to also bridge the gap in advanced leadership education and development for all students because again, we are seeing leadership education sometimes similarly, sometimes with different philosophies and how do we collaborate on that and move the field forward. So um, about four years ago, we started coming together and. Um, on phone calls and at the University of Maryland College Park, thanks to Craig Slack and his work with the National Clearinghouse for Leadership Programs and some of the sponsorship um, that he was able to acquire from the C. Charles Jackson Foundation leadership and their leadership and community service learning. So ACPA, the American Association of University Women, uh, Association of College Unions International, the Association of Leadership Educators, or ALE, um, ILA, the International Leadership Association, NACA, the National Association for Campus Activities, NASPA, and then the NCLP, National Clearinghouse for Leadership Programs, we've been coming together now for the past four years to really think and dig deep about what our associations need to move forward this leadership education um, advancement. And so um, we ultimately created this call to action, um, which is entitled ILEC Collaborative Priorities and Critical Conversations, excuse me, ILEC Collaborative Priorities and Critical Considerations for Leadership Education. Try saying that 10 times fast. That's why it gets a little, <laughs> it's a long title. Um, but we want to essentially define significant priorities for the advancement of leadership education and the communities they impact and think about leadership for what purpose. So at this panel, 
we will be talking about that document a little bit further, getting some feedback from folks who attend, and um, being able to then share that feedback and share some of the great experiences people have had and hopefully expose us to in that panel um, so that we can, as a group, then come together, this kind of core group of association members, to continue to move forward. To, we are asking um, the different associations I mentioned to bring this document to their various, um, whether it's regional conferences or their national or international annual conferences, to be able to then collect feedback and, again, advance leadership um, for what purpose. So definitely come by. If you haven't read the documents, no worries. We just actually put it on our SLPKC website, um, so you can refer to it if you scroll all the way down at the bottom of resources. And we'd love to see you that Monday if you're interested in the future of leadership education or collaborating with some of these other associations. Gosh, well, I thought I thought the SLPKC acronym was daunting. The title of that uh, the title of that paper is is a real doozy, Kim. I'm impressed you got through that. I know, it's a lot of, it's a little wordy, I know. Collaborative priorities and critical considerations for leadership education. Again, it's a tongue twister. Say it 10 times fast. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Jimmy, so to pivot, pivot us away a little bit from NASP Annual and to speak about the SLPKC generally, what are uh, some of y'all's goals for the KC in 2017-2018? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, we now have two chair-elects, and so Sean Ryan and Avani Rana will be taking over uh, the KC when Kim and I stepped down in 2018. Um, so one big goal is to, to work kind of as a group of four to really develop uh, a strategic plan in collaboration with the two of them so that when they step into their role in 2018, the, the KC will be uh, kind of ready to, to launch forward for the next three years. But when we think about the year, 2017-2018, um, a couple goals I just want to highlight. Um, one is kind of our increased social media presence. I think this is uh, one way that we very easily can connect with the professionals and leadership educators who are part of the KC and getting them the most up-to-date information as well as connecting to best practices. And so trying to find ways of using Facebook, Snapchat, like, you know, like if Green Bay can do it, we can use it. Uh, and you know, Instagram, all of the social media outlets available to us to, to continue to engage our, our membership. Um, I think the work that you've done, Miles, on the podcast has just been phenomenal. And so how do we continue to support the development of the podcast and, and boost up kind of our webinar presence would, will be one of our priorities. Um, one of the things that Kim and I are very dedicated to is increasing opportunities for kind of like face-to-face -face interactions. I think you know, it, it's great that we can connect over email or, or using our social media, but we, we don't want to discount some of those opportunities for us to engage uh, in real life. And so finding opportunities to strengthen our relationships with the regional representatives. Um, all the regional NASPA, uh, NASPA regional areas have KC representation. And so how do we engage in a conversation with them to get students and members in those specific regions to connect and find opportunities to, to see one another and engage in conversation. And so one of the opportunities that we have is uh, improving and expanding upon our graduate mentorship program. So we do offer that at the national conference, but um, we're finding that a lot of participation happens at the regional level, and so finding ways to improve and increase that. And then finally, uh, really kind of upping our NASPA website and particularly the resources that we're providing there. 
So working with our literature review team um, to tap into that gold mine, which is our graduate student members, um, and everything from uh, literature reviews that they've used in their classes. So how are they kind of synthesizing best, uh, best practices, theoretical, with the, the top theories that are out there, um, but also just kind of uh, what kind of activities are they using in their programs? What are some of those uh, things that students are responding to well on their individual campuses and providing an outlet for that on our, on our website? So I'd say that those are probably the three big goals that we've set for 2017-2018. Great. Excellent. Kim, I know engagement with the KC has been a big part of your professional life. So what value do you think student affairs practitioners gain from professional engagement? What a great question. I think a lot about professional engagements um, and where I'm at and how much it's really contributed um, to who I am personally and professionally. Um, you know, I've been involved in the SLPKC now for, goodness, I'm an old, an old lady in it, seven years. Um, due to really somebody who saw something in me, Sherry Early. She was a mentor who saw something in me and helped me find my place. She said, hey, did you know that this opportunity exists to be the lit review coordinator and get started? And it's really opened so many doors um, for me in the NASPA world and through my work with the ILEC and just has built my professional confidence and competence. Um, and really professional engagement, no matter what level you're at, it just helps guide the field. Um, it helps guide us towards advancements in, you know, whatever specific functional area you're involved in or if you're just more involved universally in making student affairs and higher education a better place, a more accessible field, um, furthering research, furthering opportunities, um, et cetera. So I think professional engagements, um, you know, sometimes it can be a little costly in terms of coming to conferences and also, um, you know, participating in sometimes webinars and things of that nature. But if you, we really try, at least at the SLPKC, to offer as many free and accessible opportunities as possible and partner and collaborate a lot with others within NASPA and outside of NASPA to make professional engagement as easy as possible, whether you are day one in your graduate program, whether you're an undergraduate who has just wanting to start learning about student affairs or whether you are, you know, many, many years into your career and are, you know, an expert in leadership education, professional engagement is, is so important. Okay. Thanks. So, Jimmy, for our last of our six big leadership questions, if people are interested in becoming formally attached to the SLPKC, what avenues are available to them? Uh, great question. So, as I mentioned, we just had elections for our chair-elects which means after the conference, we are going to have an opening on our leadership team. So if anyone is interested in serving as our pre-conference uh, co-coordinator, so this is a, a co-coordinator role that works on the, for the year uh, kind of researching and writing the proposal for our KC pre-conference offerings. Um, so we'll have an opening for that after the conference. We'll be accepting applications. Um, but generally speaking, as I mentioned before, each of the NASPA regions has a KC connection. And I think that's probably one of the easiest ways of getting attached uh, to the work that we're doing. And so finding your uh, regional rep and reaching out to them uh, and getting, getting connected and involved regionally is, is probably the easiest and fastest way of, of kind of joining the, joining the fight. Um, we offer lots of opportunities to connect, uh, whether that's submitting features on, through our newsletter or um, if you would like to get your programs 
highlighted on any of our social media. We would love to hear from you. Um, but more importantly, we're kind of open for suggestions. And so if there are areas that you would like to get connected into, whether that is uh, you know, working on the webinars or doing some marketing materials, or if you think there's something brand new that we're not doing that, that you think we should be doing, uh, we're open to hear from that. So we would encourage you to email Kim and I, um, slpchairs at gmail.com, and, uh, and let us know because we'd love to find ways for you to get involved. All right. So uh, you can connect with Kim via LinkedIn or on Twitter at Kimmy Kushner, and you can, find, uh, you can also find uh, Jimmy on LinkedIn. And thanks so much to Jimmy and Kim for your time and service. This podcast, this specific episode certainly, but generally speaking, the whole, the whole deal uh, wouldn't exist without the ceaseless support and advocacy of, of y'all. And I am eternally grateful for your sponsorship of this effort and for the selfless work y'all do to make the SLPKC a force in the world of leadership. So thank y'all so much. Um, one final note before signing off, we will be hosting several podcasts on site at NASPA Annual. Um, I will be hosting, uh, Jimmy referenced earlier, one of our sponsored programs is the one on creative leadership. Uh, uh, will be uh, will be presented by Dr. John Mark Day of Oklahoma State, and he's going to uh, discuss that presentation on using creativity as a tool for leadership inclusion and engagement uh, on an on-site podcast that will release during NASPA Annual. And then on-site, I will also, again, Jimmy just really, uh, really built this up perfectly. I'm also going to be starting a series um, on uh, Dr. John Dugan's new book, Leadership Theory, Cultivating Critical Perspectives. We're going to try something new there. We're going to do a series specifically focused on that one book and really doing a deep dive there, uh, which we're excited about um, and excited about collaborating with, uh, with John on that effort. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us for the NASA Leadership Podcast, which is presented by the NASA Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. And you can find more information about the KCN on our various social media outlets, uh, such as facebook.com backslash SALead, on Twitter at NASPA SLPKC, on Instagram at NASPA underscore SLPKC. And you can also connect with me on Twitter at Miles, which is M-Y-L-E-S underscore Surrett, which is S-U-R-R-E-T-T. And finally, if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, we'd love to hear more about your programs. So please shoot an email to NASPA Leader Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Miles. Thank you, Miles.